you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, July 16th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to continue taking a look, a, a much deeper look at each of the Orioles draft picks that they selected earlier this week in the 2021 MLB draft. On yesterday's episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back and check that one out, we talked about Colton Kowser, the Orioles' first-round pick, who they took with the fifth overall selection, Jason Barfield, the play-by-play voice of Sam Houston State Baseball, joined us to talk about Kowser's college career how he grew as a hitter, and how he really got to the point where he was going to be a top 10 pick. Well, today we're just moving right along in chronological order in the draft. We head to the Orioles' second round pick, the 41st overall selection, the second baseman at an ECU, Connor Norby, who led all of Division I baseball with 102 hits in the 2021 season, and who hit two homers combined in his first two college seasons, then hit 15 of them this year while hitting over 400 basically all season. So we are going to chat about that selection by the Orioles. We're going to be joined by Steven Igo, who covers the ECU Pirates, the baseball team included over at 24-7 Sports, and he is going to join us to talk about Norvi. And then at the end of the pod, we will preview Orioles baseball because the O's are back uh, in Major League action for the first time since Sunday as they will kick off the second half of the 2021 season in Kansas City against the Royals for a three-game series that starts tonight, and we will preview that series against KC. But that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me every week to talk Orioles and get in on the action over at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. So today we continue our 2021 Orioles MLB Draft breakdowns with the O's second round pick, and that is Connor Norby, five foot ten, an 180 pound infielder. Now he's been a middle infielder; he's played a little shortstop, but mostly second base at East Carolina University. A native of Kernersville, North Carolina, and East Forsyth High School, where he played his high school ball there in NC. And uh, Norby, who uh, is a 21-year-old second baseman who had an incredible 2021 season. Right-handed batter who, in 61 games in 2021, hit 415 with a 486 on base and a 659 slugging percentage. He had 15 doubles, 15 home runs, 51 RBIs, 33 walks to 34 strikeouts, and he was 18 for 22 stealing bases, as well as playing a pretty solid second base for ECU defensively and this was a very good ECU team that hosted a regional and uh, was in the top 10 for a lot of the year in college baseball and made it to the super regionals before running into the buzzsaw that was Kamar Rocker, Jack Leiter, and Vanderbilt. But one thing to know about Connor Norby, you know, ECU lost uh, that super regional to Vandy and got, you know, pretty much shut down by Leiter and Rocker, but Norby had a hit in each of those games. Uh, he had a late single against Kamar Rocker in game one, and then he led off the game with a single on the second pitch against Jack Leiter in game two. So he's been able to get some hits off of obviously some of the best competition, those two guys, top 10 picks 
in this year's draft. But for Connor Norby, it was interesting. You know, he was great in 2020 uh, in the 17 games that he played before the shutdown, hit 403 with a 439 on base, had a double, a triple, and a homer, 10 RBIs. Uh, but, you know, he still wasn't much of a power hitter. And really, as a true freshman in 2019, he played sparingly. He appeared in 26 games, uh, but, you know, he only had 35 plate appearances. He, you know, was six for 31 at the dish, had one home run. He struck out nine times. Just wasn't there for Connor Norby as a freshman, and he was not a starter. Then it got to 2020. He was dominating. Season cut short. Didn't know what would come of it. Well, all of a sudden, he continued to dominate in 2021, plus the power came. 15 home runs this season in 284 plate appearances after having two home runs in 105 plate appearances over his first two years. And, you know, he does play in a pretty small ballpark. It's very hitter-friendly at ECU, but still, that is a pretty good number for Connor Norby. But, you know, we wanted to get the lowdown on, you know, not just his incredible 2021 season, but his entire career, really, with ECU and, uh, you know, what allowed him to shoot up draft boards this year. I mean, there were a good amount of people talking before the draft that Norby, as he continued to rise, could have potentially slipped into the bottom of the first round. I think the Orioles were lucky to be able to snatch him up in the early second round with the 41st overall pick. So to tell us more about Connor Norby and his ECU career, Stephen Igo is joining the podcast. He covers East Carolina sports and recruiting over at the Hoist the Colors blog, which is the site that covers ECU sports uh, over at the 24-7 Sports Network. And uh, Stephen, very knowledgeable, has watched Connor Norby play a lot in his three years at ECU. And coming up after the break, he's going to join us to talk about the Orioles' second-round pick, Connor Norby. So we'll get to our chat about Orioles second round pick Connor Norby in just a second. But first, got to tell you about Built Bar. And did you know that Built Bar has just so many delicious flavors that there's something for everyone? They've got flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie, strawberry, cookies and cream, just everything you can imagine across the board. My favorite flavor, well, I got to go with the peanut butter chocolate. But for you, you know, if you haven't picked that favorite flavor yet, you can change that right now. You can go to BuiltBar.com and order a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You can try them all and then pick your favorite. But the Built Bars, they're delicious, but they're also healthy too. That's the best part. These bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four or five grams of net carbs. So order today, get the raspberry or maybe the salted caramel or whatever you might like. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool as well. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we welcome Stephen Igo into the podcast. He covers all things East Carolina sports, including the baseball team over at Hoist the Colors, the uh, 24-7 sports uh, site covering ECU. And Stephen, first of all, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Absolutely. Always good to, uh, to talk Major League Baseball and future Pirates. I uh, love baseball, so enjoy doing it. And uh, we're, we have you on to talk Connor Norby, who was the Orioles' second-round pick um, in the draft this week and uh, you know a guy that obviously they're putting a lot of stock into uh, in a rebuilding team right now and taking him with their second selection so I wanted to start really with Norby's 2021 season because he was just ridiculous this year and one of the reasons why he shot all the way up to what many people thought could have been a late first round pick and ends up being an early second round pick but 
I mean, he leads the nation in hits with 102. He ends up hitting 415, you know, in 61 games. You know, was there, I got to ask first, like, was there ever a time where he went into a slump this year? It just feels like with those numbers, he was just always hitting all year. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, the games that he would go 0 for 4, even really 1 for 4, 1 for 5, it was like, man, what's going on with Norby? Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he consistently put the bat on the ball. He doesn't strike out often. Uh, he does like to attack early in counts. Um, you know, really disciplined approach, though, doesn't chase outside of the zone much. So he always gave himself a chance. He put the ball in play a lot. There were very few games where he struck out multiple times, maybe one or two that I can think of offhand. So he never really hit a prolonged slump. I mean, there were times that he, I guess, went a game, uh, maybe a, a two- or three-game stretch with only a, a couple of hits, more so than going three for four or two for five, that sort of deal. But, I mean, he was always checking in with a hit a night, it seemed like, even when he was not at his best. So, uh, I mean, there were there were different spells where he was hitting for more power at times than, uh, than just singles, but – um, I mean, he really never had a prolonged slump throughout the whole season. That's what was most remarkable about his 2021 campaign. You mentioned the power. That's what I wanted to get to next. Now, I know, you know, they play in a, in a pretty small, pretty hitter-friendly ballpark at ECU. But, I mean, for a guy who had, you know, two home runs and one double through his first 44 games of his career in his first two years, then he hits 15 homers and 15 doubles in the 61 games in 2021. I mean – was it approach change? Did he get stronger? I mean, what, what happens there to just have that power outburst this year? I think a lot of it was he did develop strength. You know, he came in with a pretty compact, you know, good frame for that. He's got that classic middle infielder, second baseman frame, you know, not overly tall, but, you know, pretty broad shoulders for his size. You can tell he's got some muscle to him. And uh, the, the most impressive thing for me was – you know, a lot of people just see him as maybe because of his size, only a guy that can hit for poolside power. But he went opposite field multiple times. I mean, he can use the entire field. He had multiple opposite field home runs. Uh, he did that, at, obviously, at East Carolina, which does, you know, the ball does carry out to right field pretty well. But he also did it on the road multiple times, you know, in the conference tournament in Clearwater, Florida. He also did it when playing at, um, you know, a minor league ballpark, the Durham Bulls ballpark when they played Duke against a lefty who was throwing in the low 90s, took him out opposite field. So he's always been more of a, you know, he's got that reputation as a gap-to-gap hitter, but he hits some no-doubters too. I mean, he connects. uh, You know, I think he's got a chance for that power to play in pro ball. I mean, the one thing is he never got the chance to really play in the Cape with the Wood Bat League due to the COVID pandemic, so that maybe hurt, like, hey, is this guy's power going to translate to pro ball? But I think really with his short, compact swing, he generates a lot more pop than you might think. So I, I could see him hitting, you know, 15, 20 home runs at the professional level. He's really just also just, I mean, a, a perfect leadoff hitter for baseball in 2021 because he steals the bags. He had 18 of them. You know, he gets on base, a 484 on base percentage. But he also has that pop where he can start a game with a home run. And, and that's what teams are looking for as well. And I know ECU has had a lot of firepower offensively the last couple of years, but, you know, especially this year, it just seems like he was the perfect table setter for this offense. He was. And, and that's the thing, you know, you look at kind of the trend in, in, in pro baseball, a lot of teams are going to their to really their best hitter as their leadoff hitter. And he started games with with home runs on a handful of occasions. I mean, that's the thing is he he you know the coaching staff kind of admitted he wasn't very comfortable hitting leadoff uh, in the preseason, and they just decided 
at one point early in the year, they're like, you know what? You're going to bat lead off and you're going to like it. We'll see how it goes. I think he had a home run to lead off that game or early in that game. And then he stuck there the rest of the season. So uh, that's just, that's the thing too, is when he got on base, he stole bases. I mean, he was very successful in stealing bases. So he's got speed. And, you know, the thing was he was playing through a, uh, a groin injury, I believe at some point in the year, and he was still able to steal bases at a high rate and hit for the, uh, the, the level that he, uh, was able to hit at. So uh, I think speed, power, contact, doesn't strike out, walks a good amount. Uh, you know, what more can you ask for? He's just a complete hitter, uses the entire field. You can't really shift on him. So I, I just think he is that prototypical top of the order guy. And then I got to ask, you know, he obviously was was great before the shutdown in 2020. He was hitting 403. Now the power wasn't, you know, as much there, but he was still fantastic. But, you know, everybody has looked at his, you know, freshman year stats and, you know, he was not really, you know, much of a, a, a contributor on this team, you know, only 31 at bats. And when he did play, you know, he hit 194. And I know this team, you know, with the likes of Bryant Packard and Alec Burleson had, you know, studs up and down the lineup one through nine. But, you know, was it just kind of about him getting that opportunity to play, you know, in 2020 and then 21 for him to really break out? Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, I heard coming out of high school, he had all the talent. I mean, there was no doubt. He, he wasn't a big draft guy coming out of high school, probably because of his size and maybe his profile. But he was a guy that could have started on talent alone for a top 25 team at ECU. But the maturity was not there as a freshman. And also they had a, a fourth year senior, Brady Lloyd, at second base, who was kind of they had, you know, they had been to regional, super regionals. They weren't going to bench him for a freshman. And uh, so Norby ended up having to kind of learn the ropes that year, you know, basically admitted he had some come to Jesus meetings with head coach Cliff Godwin during, during the course of that year at the end of that year, because he just had to mature. He didn't handle himself in practice as he should have. And I think things finally clicked after that year, after kind of seeing what Brady Lloyd did, some of the other older infielders did. And he kept When things clicked, you could see the talent start to play every single day in practice rather than just flash. I mean, I remember watching him in a, in a preseason scrimmage. Uh, he was facing Jake Agnos, who was a fourth-round pick of the Yankees a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, got down 0-2, fouled off five or six pitches, and then lined a, a double into the gap. And that was as a true freshman before the season even started. I'm like, wow, is this kid not even going to play this year? Uh, so he's always had the talent. It was just a matter of him maturing, and he's done that. And obviously the results speak for themselves. I think the last thing I got to ask is defensively, because we know there are a lot of guys who end up playing second base, you know, when they get to the major league level, a lot of those guys are drafted as shortstops um, and maybe they get moved over to that position. Now I know Connor was, you know, really the second baseman for this team. And I, and I know he can play a little bit of shortstop, but, you know, do you feel like the defense, you know, cause sometimes for guys, the defense is just good enough at second already where it's fine that they stick there and they have the bat. Do you feel like the defense is good enough there where, you know, it's not a worry that, you know, he's not a, a you know typical shortstop. He's more of a second baseman coming in. Yeah, I think he's, I think he can still get better defensively. You know, for some reason he's got this, uh, this rap as like having a fringy arm, but I think it's more off accuracy than arm strength. I mean, he was a guy that touched 92 on the mound of high school and he actually pitched in the Louisville super regional a couple of years ago, he wasn't a big two-way player, but they just needed a guy to throw. And he was out there throwing 93, just kind of, you know, just on the mound kind of throwing. So, I mean, he's got the arm strength. I think it's just more consistency. He had a couple of plays where 
I don't know if it was focus or whatnot, but routine plays that he would just mess up on, and then he would make a sparkling play. He turned some amazing double plays. So I think that, too, is another area of his game that he can continue to grow. I think he can be an above-average defender at second base. Um, it's just about being more consistent. But I think he's definitely got the arm strength. I think it's just more of the consistency he needs. Uh, you know, he could probably be a guy that if he really works at it, could move around, play some third, play some uh, short if needed as kind of a utility guy. I do think second, though, is his his primary go-to spot. And that's the thing, you know, if you can just play out there a little bit with the bat that he has, you know, the Orioles are going to find somewhere to put him on the diamond, obviously, as a second-round pick to get his bat in the lineup. And, uh, you know, he – he did bring me personally a little bit of sadness this year as a Maryland baseball fan, um, helping to eliminate the Terps in the regional. But uh, that was a great ECU team, and, and he was uh, the table setter. And obviously the Orioles are, are lucky to have a bat this good. But, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on and give us a little bit of uh, insight into Connor Norby, uh, who's going to be a big part uh, of this Orioles rebuild as they try to uh, get back to their winning ways. And, and hopefully he's a part of the Major League team when they start to win baseball games again. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to come on. Connor, I got to know him well over the last three years. Great guy. And like I said, really matured. And the other thing I think Oriole fans will enjoy is uh, he brings some swag to the game. You know, not saying that he pimps all his home runs or anything like that, but he does have a little bit of attitude. And uh, I think he plays the game the right way. So I, th I think you guys will really enjoy him. Back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And of course, we've got baseball season in full swing. And today, the second half really begins. Of course, there was Yankees Red Sox on last night, uh, but we've got Orioles baseball back as they take on the Royals. And you can start placing wagers on baseball once again over at betonline.ag. But it's not just baseball. How about UFC and MMA action on Saturday? How about some NBA finals with Game 5 coming up? this weekend. You can bet on it all at betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines any longer. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So our thanks again to Stephen Igo, who uh, covers ECU again for their 24-7 sports site and, uh, you know, does a, a great job covering all things ECU athletics, including the Pirates baseball team, which has been just uh, on a roll here these last few years, one of the best programs in the country. And Connor Norby, you know, going to be one of the many great hitters that they have produced over the last few years. And, you know, I think the Orioles got a, a really good pick here. You know, a lot of people not excited because he's not the biggest guy, you know, five foot ten. He plays second base. You know, you see a lot of second basemen like we talked about, you know, college shortstops, they move to second. Well, he's already at second. And, you know, he's not a gold glove type defender there. But that bat is going to play. And, and the fact that the 15 homers came on this year is a huge part of this because, you know, even if he's a guy hitting 415, but he's got one, two, three home runs, you know, you're a little worried about that he's just a college singles hitter. But, you know, he had all the power, the 15 doubles, the 15 homers, and he hits 415 throughout the year. That is a great hitter. He was the top bat on the board, top college bat on the board when the Orioles picked at 41 and I honestly think they took the best player on the board board available that was at least going to sign uh, at pick number 41 and I'm a big fan of this Connor Norby pick I've watched a lot of him uh, in college baseball especially in the NCAA regional of course my Maryland Terrapins uh, were at the ECU regional in the NCAA tournament watch Norby get a lot of hits um, in that regional but um, yeah I think uh, 
I think he's going to be a good player, and I think this was a good second-round pick by the Orioles. But, of course, this week, you know, really for the O's, has been all about, you know, the system. They had the, the Futures game Sunday with Adley Rutschman and Marcos Deplon playing. They had, you know, still a full week of minor league baseball, you know, despite uh, the major leagues having the All-Star break. Uh, you know, they had the draft this week, and, uh, you know, really... Besides Monday night, Trey Mancini, and then Tuesday night, Cedric Mullins in the Derby and the All-Star game. You know, it's been all about the minors, but we're back to Major League Baseball tonight. Coming out of the first half and into the second half, the Orioles will take on the Kansas City Royals for the first time since 2019. The two teams uh, will match up um, in KC for a three-game series starting tonight, a Friday and Saturday, Sunday series to start the second half. Now, as of recording here on Thursday evening, uh, the only starter who has been named for these uh, these three games is Keegan Aiken for the Orioles, who is going to start the Friday night opener of the series. Now, Aiken, the 26-year-old left-hander, uh, it's been a tough year for him. After a, a promising, you know, shortened rookie season in 2020, he has not been great so far in 2021. He has made 12 appearances, seven starts. He's got a 7.54 ERA in 45 and a third innings pitched. He's allowed 59 hits, 38 earned runs, struck out 44, walked 17, given up nine long balls on the year. And, you know, it was interesting for Aiken because he was supposed to start last Thursday night. That game got postponed uh, due to rain against the Blue Jays. The Orioles didn't put him back into the rotation, but he actually was able to pitch in bulk in relief in the Saturday game against the White Sox after Thomas Eshelman lasted just two innings in his start. Aiken went four and a third in relief, allowing four runs on six hits. He did have six strikeouts to just one walk. That was the good sign. Obviously, the bad sign was the four runs, but he did give the Orioles length out of the pen, which they needed, and it was enough to keep him in the rotation and start him here tonight. Now, it has been bad recently for for Keegan Aiken. In his last five appearances, he has given up at least four earned runs. You have four runs in four and a third, four runs in three innings, six runs in four and a third, five runs in four innings, and eight runs in five and two thirds. That's his last five appearances. And it was pretty solid in May in his first start of June. And then things really started to go downhill for Aiken. So, you know, we'll see if he can Try and bounce back against this Royals team. And again, you know, looking at the rest of the Orioles rotation, uh, since Spencer Watkins did pitch Sunday, you know, obviously he's not going to pitch Friday. He'd be on regular rest. I don't know if they'll start him. Uh, again, we don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking at this point that most likely Jorge Lopez is going to start one of the other games this weekend, either the Saturday or the Sunday game for the Orioles. And then to be honest, it's, it's pretty up in the air after that. Uh, you know, they did talk about wanting to push Matt Harvey back a little bit. So you could maybe uh, see potentially Eshelman Sunday after Lopez Saturday, potentially here in this weekend series. And for the Royals, you know, we don't uh, we don't know who they're going to be starting yet, but did want to kind of preview what this team looks like. And you, know, you take a look at their rotation at the moment. And, uh, you know, obviously early in the season, they had Danny Duffy, who was just incredible. You know, he's, he's made 12 appearances, a 2-5-3 ERA. Uh, he got hurt and was out for a while for this Royals team, and they really missed him. You know, these Royals were, they were red hot to open the season. They looked like, you know, kind of the, the underdog team coming out of the gates this year. You know, they, they had a really, really good start to the year. They got to 16-9, and nine, and then they lost 11 games in a row in May. They won on the first day of May to get to 16-9, and nine, and after that lost 11 in a row. Didn't break that streak until May 14th 
against Chicago. Then they kind of huddled around 500 for a while, went back over 500 for just a second, uh, but then they really closed out the first half in an awful, awful way. They had uh, another really long losing streak um, right at the end of June and into the beginning of July where they ended up losing... Uh, another nine games in a row, and uh, 36 and 53 is the record they sit with uh, right now, and that is good for last in the AL Central. But in terms of the starting pitching, uh, again, Duffy is back in there after the injury. He is obviously a potential for the Orioles to see the veteran left-hander. Mike Miner has been getting a lot of starts uh, for this team, although he hasn't been good. ERA over five. Brad Keller, same thing. He's been really bad. ERA almost six, but he's gotten 19 starts. And then they have a bunch of young guys who they're kind of bringing in and out of the rotation. Brady Singer has gotten 18 starts, you know, a former top prospect. Chris Bubik has gotten eight starts, 15 appearances on the year. And uh, they've used a couple more guys like Daniel Lynch, who has come up and uh, made some starts for this team. Jacob Junis, who's on the injured list, uh, has made some starts for this team. Um, But, you know, overall, those uh, top five have kind of been the guys who the Orioles will see. And besides Duffy, they have had a tough time pitching this year and they've also had a real issue at the back end of the bullpen this season they at the moment uh, have really been splitting the save chances between a lot of guys Greg Holland you know of course he was the lockdown closer when they won the World Series he's back on the team he's 35 he's not the same pitcher he does have five saves but he has a 489 ERA Scott Barlow has kind of been the guy they've gone to as of late ERA under three he's got four saves Josh Stalmont is a righty who throws over a hundred but doesn't really know where it's going sometimes. He's got five saves. And then Kyle Zimmer, a 29-year-old right-hander, also has a couple of saves as well. Uh, they also have Wade Davis back on this team, uh, that old bullpen, but he is on the injured list. And the bullpen has not been good either. It's just been really a struggle for Kansas City. At the plate, though, who the Orioles will see first and foremost is Salvador Perez. Of course, we saw him in the All-Star game and in the Home Run Derby. This week, the 31-year-old catcher has kind of resurrected himself a little bit this year, uh, hitting 275 with a 300 on base. He's got 21 homers, 16 doubles on the season. One thing about Perez, though, he strikes out a crazy amount, and he does not walk. In 363 plate appearances so far this year, 89 games, 98 strikeouts to 8 walks for Salvador Perez. It's going to be hard uh, to walk that guy. Other than that, you know, Whit Merrifield has been good this season. He was an all-star uh, 270 hitter, 321 on base, 20 doubles for him leads this team. And then, you know, you've got Jorge Soler, uh, who is really struggling this year. He does have seven homers, uh, but it has been tough. Andrew Benintendi had a really slow start. Remember, the Royals traded for him. He now has 10 home runs, which is third on the team. He's starting to pick it up. And then Carlos Santana has been, you could argue, their best hitter this year. The 35-year-old first baseman came over from Cleveland this offseason. He's got 15 home runs. It's good for second best on the team. He's got a 368 on base, which is the best on the team. He's probably been the, the best hitter, either him or Salvador Perez. And then, of course, uh, we should get to see our old friend Hanser Alberto. He's played 65 games for the Royals. He's kind of been an in-and-out-of-the-lineup player. 12 doubles, one home run, hitting 265 with a 282 on base. Usual Hanser Alberto things, just 17 strikeouts and 158 plate appearances. He's not striking out. Only two walks in that time as well. So uh, he is doing what he does best. It'll be fun uh, to see him on the field again. But that is what the Royals look like. It'll be O's and Royals for three games this weekend um, in Kansas City. And, of course, uh, a team that I still think Orioles fans uh, do not enjoy playing 
uh, very often, especially don't enjoy seeing Kauffman Stadium because of what happened in 2014. But the Friday night game, it'll be Keegan Aiken starting for the Orioles. We're not sure for the Royals. It's an 8-10 p.m. Eastern time start tonight. Saturday, they go at 7-10 Eastern time, and Sunday is at 2-10 Eastern time for the Orioles and the Royals. And then after that series, we will be back with you here on the pod on Monday. We'll recap the weekend series between the O's and the Royals, get you the three big takeaways from the weekend. And then next week, we will look ahead to the series in Tampa Bay between the O's and the Rays. That is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. And also, we will continue breaking down each and every one of the Orioles draft picks. Again, each of them going to get their own segment here on the pod. And we will continue that next week on Tuesday and beyond. But if you're liking what you're hearing here on the podcast, make sure to subscribe if you can on Apple Podcasts, like the pod uh, on Spotify as well, Stitcher, wherever you're listening right now. Uh, on Apple Podcasts especially, give us a rating and a review if you can. Um, it's okay if it's a good one. It's okay if it's a bad one. Just uh, let us know what you think. Uh, that really, really helps out the pod uh, with those reviews and helps us continue to give you the best content we can. Before we go, I'm going to tell you about one other pod here on the network. That is the Locked On Today podcast. And today on the Locked On Today podcast, Giannis Antetokounmpo blocks the Phoenix Suns from going up 3-1. to one. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. So again, we're back here on Monday, recapping the weekend series between the Orioles and the Royals, and then more next week looking at all the Orioles MLB draft picks. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.